Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark. And with me is our special guest and friend of the station, John Dick. Welcome, John. Thank you, Heather. Thank you very much. Now, John, I asked you for over a year if you would come and let me talk to you on Valley Talk. And you were busy and you were a little gun shy. But I want to talk with you because you have a very interesting business that applies to most of us. I, I am a very happy carnivore. I have no desire to be a vegetarian, although I certainly went through that phase when I was younger. But I'm a happy carnivore and, and routinely decide that there's a reason that I have canine teeth and I'm happy biting into a steak. John, is, a, is your title butcher? I know you own the stores, but I mean, is that what we call you now? I, that's what we used to say when we went into the meat market. Um, yeah, I, I, I refer to myself and my crew that, that do the butchering and butchers mm-hmm. because we, we know how to break it down from the, from the beginning, not just slicing it like bread. But. Yeah, yeah. And we, I have to say, I was raised not exactly on a farm, but surrounded by farms. And so I'm used to cattle and dairy cattle and animals and, and Farming is not for wussies. I mean, you understand the life cycle pretty blatantly when you're around a farm. So I'm never skittish about, you know, knowing that something died so I can eat it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the way it is. And um, I used to raise chickens and I had a, a friend who would come over. And if I was serving chicken, she would make me promise that I had purchased it at Safeway because she just couldn't stand the thought. And I kept saying, you are such a phony. You're such a phony because you think a chicken didn't die because Safeway got it. You know, I mean, come on, you know, I mean, face facts here. And Mm -hmm. I raised uh, lamb as well. And, but I think that today people are skittish. We want to somehow or other separate ourselves from the fact that even the hot dog you're eating, uh, you know, has meat products in it. And do you see that at all? I mean, I, I know the people that come into your store are ca- happy carnivores like I am, but what about socially and just around town? Um, I I see, you know, in the, the 30 plus years I've been doing this is the change from that. It's not just, it, it, it's not just an animal, but it is a, a product of the farmer. Mm-hmm. So I see people recognize that. And then they also are concerned about the treatment of the farmer's crop, which happens to be beef and how the animal is slaughtered. So the care is what's important to people to how it gets to them more so than the skittishness of it. But I I think most people see a T-bone as a Mm T-bone. They don't see it as, a cow. You know, I, I hate to use the word. I hate to use this word because people this will make people skittish when you use the word muscle. It's, uh, it's a muscle. Yeah. You know, um, just like you and I have muscles that that makes people skittish. So yeah. I, I, I will use the word T-bone and tenderloin and ribeye. Mm-hmm. Then that separates that skittishness yeah. from that's dinner. But I think <laughs> that a lot of my friends who are have that skittishness they just they just want to block off that this was an animal this was an animal that they're eating right you know they they just want to pretend that somehow or other it just came in a styrofoam package from you know directly from god or something right Um, at at that point when they get to the to me or the stores it is just a piece of meat to most people i think it's not not that 
cow running out in the field that they pointed out to their child. <laughs> I'll tell you, cows are sweet animals. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, cows, if you haven't had an experience of growing up around cows, they're very responsive. I mean, I remember as, you know, a little pre-teenager angst while I was going, growing up in Ohio, and I would take my, my journal, and I would take my, you know, write my sad little, you know, uh, stupid little poems by, I would go to the end of the road, and I'd uh, lean my back against the post of the mailbox, and there were wild tiger lilies growing up around me, and directly behind me was a big uh, field with cattle in it, and I would be sitting there by the mailbox for three, four minutes and those cattle would start coming over. Hi, what you doing? You know, I mean, <laughs> so they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What you doing? Um, and, you know, they they are, you know, you, you have to get in the mindset. I know with 4-H, you know, a lot of times there would be a, a lot of tears for that champion steer, you know? <laughs> yeah, that you, if you, you head to the fair and you see the 4-H kid with his black Angus while he's chowing down on an onion burger. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I tend that, to be... There's a realization for that farmer what he's doing it for yeah, exactly <laughs> um but you can bond with the animals and i know a lot of mm -hmm. farmers that i grew up with i don't know if that's the case now they wouldn't name the cows they wouldn't name the uh, the dairy cows they would but not you know i mean uh, anything that was going to go to slaughter was not named you did not form a personal relationship with it like you did with the dairy yeah. dairy cattle um yeah. do you find well let me back up a little bit how come you went into this business well, I was I was born into it. My father started the, the store when I was about two and a half years old and uh, always hung around there as a little kid. My mom would go and do the books. And uh, I mean, I, I took a different path in life at one point. But then my dad said, hey, I got this job for you. And uh, it was it was the best decision I ever made for myself to be able to work with my parents and then uh, to purchase the business off my parents and now to expand, um, which has been a dream of mine for a long time. But it's, uh, I just, I got into it when I was 10 years old, going to work with dad and making pepperoni and sausage and wrapping hamburger. And, and I just fell in love with it. I just, it's an art to me. And I, I, I really, I really uh, have a lot of respect and honor for my dad and the fact that he said, I'm going to teach you a trade and a trade is something no one can take away from you. And it's so true. Wise so man. True. Yes. My dad was awesome. Yeah. I think one of the sad things today is that we don't have an emphasis on teaching trades. And I think our economy is seeing some repercussions from that, but a trade is a wonderful thing to have. You know? Right. It is. It's and it's lost its importance. You know, yeah. it's it's all about, oh, if you don't go to college, you're not going to be anybody. But I have uh, I have 10 employees that are making a living. Some of them are part time. They just want to make extra money. But there's at least four of them that are supporting themselves, paying their rent, raising their families off of a trade. Yeah. They're um, working. I don't think there's going to be a resurgence. You know, I think it's just kind of a natural yeah. occurrence. There will be a resurgence. Yeah. Um, you have, and let's be clear, you do have two stores called the Golden Steer. One is in Bellevue near the Overlake area. And another one is new and it's just in the Woodenville area. It's right on Woodenville Duval Road, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. That's, that was, that's my dream. 
Yeah. <laughs> so are you going to go, you know, megalopolis on us here? And as no, opening? no, it, it's it's uh, it's just a dream I've had to to expand. My dad tried to do it in the in the 80s. It was in the mid 80s. And he opened up a store in downtown Bellevue, just as Bellevue decided that they wanted to grow into a big city and tore up roads all around him and just about ruined him. Yeah. So I just kind of had that dream in my head as someday. And I, I really, what I do, I do to honor my father or my mom. Mm -hmm. Just uh, that drives me a lot because it's, it's their name and it's our family. Yeah. So well, it's good to hear you say that. I think a lot of time, well, we all did when we were young. We kind of couldn't wait to get away and we disdained our parents. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter bought me this thing. You know, this is what this is what you get when you start getting older than dirt. You know, my daughter just had a, a child a couple of years ago. And so for Christmas or birth, my birthday, I guess, she bought me this thing called StoryWorth and it's a subscription thing. And every Monday I get a prompt for to write something about my life. Oh, and wow. I can add photographs or I can add, you know, charts or whatever I want to it. And at the end of a year, they make it into a hardbound book. So that um, is really awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and it's kind of, you know, part of me is thinking, really, is it Monday again? I haven't I told you everything there is possibly you could possibly want to know about me by this point, you know, um, but then a part of me thinks, is kind of cool it makes you those prompts make you take off on a direction that you haven't thought of for quite a while and you know that kind of thing and then of course you always have to balance how much of the bad crap do i put in here you know <laughs> do i just ignore it or do i be you know i don't know i'll be i'm in chapter six yes <laughs> uh, um but uh, but it's fun you know you reach the point where you do I think really understand what your parents were as people and what they were trying to do and oh, yeah. they passed on to you. And you hope you can do that with your own family. You know? Yeah. Well, with my mom and dad, um, you know, in the last 10 years, they've become my best friends and my biggest fans. Yeah. Um, you know, the, this thing that makes me sad is about two months before I opened, my dad passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. So but he knew you were going to. He knew he he had dementia and Alzheimer's. So, I mean, he knew at least 15 times I told him. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but I knew he I knew he was proud of me. Well, each time you told him it was a new and pleasant surprise for him. That's right. And I told him with the happiness in my voice every time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Where is this um, going to be? Wouldn't Bill? Where? Yeah, yeah. When my son was little, his class went to an adult uh, uh, care center, a daycare center. And um, we prepared, prepared the kids that some of the older people might not, you know, remember and things like that. And my son just went over. There was a, a, a an older woman that was sitting there, all very dressed, dressed to the nines. And uh, she called my son over, and she was so smiley and so pleasant. And they had a great conversation. And you know, what brought you here? And what grade are you in? And what do you hope? What do you like to do? And well, I was a school teacher for many years, and blah blah. blah. I mean, it was wonderful. And I thought, why is this woman here? And then my son, as he was taught, said, could I get you a drink? Could I get you some punch? And she said, well, yes, that would be lovely. So he took off. I stayed there with the woman. And uh, he came back with a glass of punch and she, he handed it to her. And she goes, 
why thank you so much young man now what is your name and where did you you know <laughs> she oh had, yeah you know and so <laughs> you know she was perfectly articulate when they were having their conversation and meeting but she had forgotten that they'd had that meeting before yeah. and i think it was one of the best experiences my son could have had because you know we tend to just like we tend to shelter people from the fact that we actually eat something that used to be alive I think we shelter people from life experiences. Sometimes this happens to us. It may happen to you. It may happen to your parent. It may happen to your sibling. You know, and, and if you're totally sheltered from all of that stuff, you just get gobsmacked by it. And you don't even know how to, to continue with life that way. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, in some ways, yeah. Some mental ways. Mental illness, same way with mental illness. I had a brother that had mental illness and I used to say, I, I used to have a saying, I've heard it somewhere. Um, do you know why people don't have sympathy for people with mental illness? Why? Because you can't wear a cast on your head. Ah, uh, exactly. exactly. So, you know, I'll open the door for you if you have a broken leg. Mm -hmm. but if something's yeah. going up here, I'm going to back away. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with, you know, I, I, I have, um, well, I don't know if I want to say that I, I have PTSD and have had for several years. Okay. And so I had a service dog for quite some time. She was a lifesaver. She was wonderful. And uh, I was constantly being challenged that I had a fake service dog. And finally, I started get, making cards saying not every disability is visible. Right. You know, right. service dogs are used for diabetics, for heart pa patients, not, you know, for epilepsy yes exactly yep. and yes there's that assumption that if you can't see it it's phony or it doesn't exist or whatever so interesting you should say that because my, my mother was mentally ill um and so yeah it's a it's a whole different challenge but anyway back to the meat which is what i wanted back to, to the talk steak yes yeah, so let's get to the meat <laughs> of the subject <laughs> so you said that you kind of grew up with this Mm -hmm. um but that you had a little period where you maybe went off and did something else what did you do during that um well i went uh i went off and became a baker really yeah i was a baker for i started with hagen's frying donuts and then i moved up to baker and then uh, went through my little bit of a drug problem and kept baking and i worked for nordstrom's and was a baker there and then um, at the, the time, uh, I, I had met a young lady and my dad said, well, I needed a better, thought I needed a better job if I was going to support this young lady and her, and her baby. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that's when he offered me the job there, mm -hmm. but working there on and off as a kid, I mean, I can still go to the same building that I did when I was three years old and I can stand in the same spots and mm -hmm. look around the corner and say to my mom, or is it time to go yet? You know, yeah. if she was there at the office, um, stand in the same exact place with where I was when I was 10 years old, making pepperoni. That's, that's, it used to be freaky to me and not pleasant, but now I, I, I just suck it in. I try to, every time I'm standing somewhere, in this store, I try to remember, you know, I stood here as a kid, my dad was right there and yeah. all the other little butchers, the older guys that were there. Yeah. So I embrace it more now. It puts things in perspective. I, I recently um, uh, got, I, I have three cousins that are left up in Vancouver, BC. I'm, I'm, I have dual citizenship. My mother is Canadian. My father is US. And um, 
I never really knew them too much as a child because I was in Ohio. Um, but as we've aged, I've gotten to know them a little bit better. And then Facebook and all that other stuff, you know, you, you can reconnect with people. And one of the cousins posted a picture for Father's Day that had um, her father, who was my, my mother's brother, and then our grandfather. And I have actually that picture. But then there were these two other men, our grandfather's father, and his father going back to like, and she had their name wow. and the old guy, he was old in that picture because he was born in the 1700s and they didn't really do photography until about the civil war era. So 1840 or so. And uh, so he was old at that point and she knew his name. She knew where he came. He came, they came, to, you know, out here looking for gold and blah, blah, blah. And I so was awesome. so God. And I went, wait a minute, my, my mother, my, her father, my grandfather, his father, my great, great grandfather, his father, my great, great, great grandfather. And wait a minute, I have a grandson. So now we're talking, this is a picture of my grandson's great, 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 great grandfather. That is yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> that is awesome. That is, wow. You know, awesome. I know I never even thought you know about him and, and i hope your son knows their names too so he can share with his children that's the thing that's you the know. thing isn't it you know yeah. we grew all, up all my pictures growing up are all on slides they're and you my have dad converted though i know but my dad just loved to watch the slides mm -hmm. and so i would go visit him in arizona and one time i was down there we watched over 1600 slides and Every picture, my dad would go, oh, those are, the, that's uh, our, our church group when we were first married. And here's yeah. my mom and dad's wedding pictures are are all on these slides. And my dad would just tell, and I would record it and, yeah. and listen to see who, if I can, so I can pass that on. Because I want them as slides. I don't want yeah. them converted. I well, you, can, be you don't to have to destroy the slide to convert it. That's true. But those slides will wear out. They will fade uh. and go away. Oh, there's some that we colored on as kids. Yeah, yeah, beard, yeah. We got we got these ink beards. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like colored pictures. I mean, I mean, I don't know your exact age, but I know you know colored pictures will only last about 25 years before yeah. they deteriorate. And I've been uh, I've been actually using my phone and taking digital pictures of the slide. Oh and they yeah, come out fabulous. So I have about 250 pictures of. Yeah. of that from the slides but yeah someday i've always told my parents i said that's the only thing i want when you pass away is the slides yeah yeah <laughs> and, and, but to have that heritage and i guess again going full circle here back to your business today um people have eaten meat for thousands of years and they're continuing to even though there might be concerns about too much beef or you know uh, doing the vegan stuff and all that stuff most of us still do eat meat how have you seen the business change in 30 years? Um, I've seen people uh, going from larger families, of course, in the old days, you know, where the, somebody would buy a side of beef for a big freezer package so they could stock it up and put it in their freezer to more of a, you know, I'm going to come by maybe once or twice a week. Um, Sometimes people will come in three times a week. They want fresh. They don't want to freeze it. Um, buying smaller amounts, but several times is the biggest change I think I've seen. And then 
just people learning how to cook. I mean, I remember growing up, dad did the barbecue and, you know, and I think now people are into smoking meats, um, different recipes that was the YouTube, the cooking channels, they see something, they want to try it. They come in and they say, Hey, can you get me these? And then I see little fads going all the time. Like right now, the big fad is to buy a, a whole plate of short ribs instead of having them cut, you know, two inch or cut thin. They want to do the whole plate of short rib and smoke that whole big plate. Oh. That's kind of something new just in the, just this year. Yeah. I should say, explain that I missed lunch today. So this is killing me. Okay. <laughs> this is killing me. If I start salivating a lot, you'll know what that's all about. Well, John, I, I, I haven't got your spaghetti sauce yet. Oh, did you but, get it or is it hard to get? But it's hard to get. But I got one that I'm going to bring in that I, I'm trying tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay. It is absolutely fantastic. I just tasted a spoonful of it. I can't even pronounce it. It's a due for my doggy, for my formagio. There you go. Yeah, you cheese. So that's something with cheese in it. Yeah, it's got cheese in it. And it's just look at that. Look at that sauce. Ooh. John is showing me a picture on our in our in our <laughs> here. Um, and you can't see it. And I'm sorry for that if you're listening. What I'm also sorry for is we're gonna have to take a break real quick, John, uh, so we can uh, take care of some business. But when we come back. I'm going to ask you about, I think they've changed the names of cuts of meat over the years. And I want you to explain to me what some of these new names mean, if you don't mind. Not and at all. For those of you listening, thank you for listening. And we'll be back right after this with Valley Talk. You're listening to Valley 104.9, your station for Valley Talk and information. The Snoqualmie Valley has such a rich history. Small communities founded by immigrants from around the world seeking economic opportunities and a new start in life. On Tales from Tolt, Monday night at 6 p.m., we reflect back on these interesting individuals, families, and events that made this valley what it is today. So once again, for stories of local history throughout the valley, tune in to Tales from Tolt, Monday night, 6 p.m. Keeping track of giving back in the Valley is the show that spotlights nonprofit organizations, over 70 of them, as a matter of fact, that help all of us who live, work, and play right here in our wonderful Snoqualmie Valley. My name is Jay Fisk. I hope you'll join me every Sunday evening where we explore what these great nonprofits do for all of us who live, work, and play right here in our Valley. Join me Sunday evening at 5.30 and again Monday evening at 6.30 on Valley 104.9 FM, your voice of the Valley. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark, your host. I have John Dick with me, who is a butcher and longtime business owner in the Bellevue and Wood now Woodenville area. And we're going to talk meat. And we've been we've been kind of straying all over the place, but I've decided during the break that that's good because, you know, when we talk about food, that's when we talk about family and friends and experiences and you know, kind of Very like true. what's the ultimate food? It's it's meat, you know. Um, which, by the way, I went into your store and I saw those wagyu wagyu. Is that how you say it? Wagyu. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, wagyu. Oh my lord, those things looked amazing. Um, and I had a friend who went in there and bought two of those, one for himself and one for his father. And I said, I cannot believe that you each ate one of those. And he said, Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Wow. Each ate one. And I thought, are you kidding me? 
Anyway, I I don't, I don't buy that much meat um, Mm -hmm. simply because I, I can't, you know, eat it that much. You know, if I buy a steak, that's three days worth of meals for me, but I like the taste of it. I like eating it, but I just don't buy large quantities. And every now and then when I go places, I look at the labels on them and I swear I've never heard these things these cuts of meat are these just regular cuts of meat that have been renamed to make them more popular or more socially acceptable or are they totally different ways of cutting the meat i mean i'm pretty sure the starting point is the same as it was 30 years ago <laughs> you know yeah. so what's what's this with all these fancy names for for the cuts of meat um i think a lot of it comes you you somebody again they'll read a recipe and the piece of meat will be called something or a recipe will be printed and they'll see it and then they start asking for it and then the the you see a lot more of it in the grocery store where they'll cut something different and like a ribeye cap meat or something and plus you got the different uh ethnicities coming in so you get people from Brazil or whatever that are requesting a piece of meat, what they call it versus what we call it. And then it morphs into that name. The other part of it is the beef industry will, um, you know, when was the last time you saw a round bone pot roast? Oh yeah. In a long time. Right. So, uh, they, they basically the packing house quit producing a bone in, seven bone roast or a round bone pot roast they bone it out but what they did is they broke that same chuck area into separate muscles and hence you have a steak called the flat iron steak yeah that's one of the new ones that i don't know about yeah that that comes out of the chuck really part of your round bone pot roast or your blade cut pot roast Wow. You know, I used to love those pot roasts. So it's just about marketing the product different because, you know, again, families are smaller. You don't get that big, you know, Sunday dinner thing anymore with the round bone pot roast. And uh, probably twice a year, I have somebody ask for a round bone pot roast. I'm going to guess that 85% of my customers don't even know what a round bone pot roast is. I didn't know that that's what it was called. But boy, I like that. I find myself about twice a year, I'll, I'll, I just get a craving for the stuff we used to eat, you know, like meatloaf or um, my mother used to make what she called New England boiled dinner. I'm sure it had nothing to do with New England because it was made out of ham and <laughs> she would get a chunk of ham and chop up those carrots and those potatoes and some cabbage and then just boil the hell out of it for for about two hours three hours and it was so good and it was one of those where the the leftovers were just much better the next day than the first you know and she'd do the same thing with a pot roast where you just put all those vegetables around it and they absorb all that flavor and and every now and then i just think i'm gonna make i'm gonna make a pot roast you know but i i i just get you know but they boneless, have. a boneless chuck yeah yeah that's what they call it now yeah. but that little bone because that was a marrow bone so that was kind yeah. of fun yeah and the other thing who knew eating marrow bones i mean that's like a throwback to my dad's generation they used to eat marrow bones they would give babies bone raw bones to suck on be, be really because wow. you know because they couldn't swallow you know the thing but they'd get the flavor um you know i guess you gotta train them early yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get this raw bone to suck on. You're going to love it. 
<laughs> Wait till you get to the tenderloin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, but the marrow bones, I mean, nobody did those when I was a kid, except like somebody's grandma and grandpa. But now right. marrow bones are all the thing. And I have to confess that I love those marrow bones. You know, I come, I come into your store a lot and I get, you know, 10 pounds of uh, dog bo marrow bones for my dog. It's kind of like two for the dog and one for me, you know? I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> so, so what's with the marrow bones? When did that become fashionable? Well, most of them do go out for the dogs. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, most of them go out for the dogs. Uh, that's always surprising to me. I mean, uh, the amount of bones I sell for people's animals are, are incredible. I do have several people now that come in and, and we special cut the bone so it doesn't roll. Yeah. So I put a little flat spot on it and cut it in half so they can just lay it in their little trough and, yeah. and roast up their marrow bone yeah. and then dip yeah, it right out of the trough. So yeah. I have yet to try that. I want to though. I usually it's like to good, try. But I'll tell you one or two of them is you're going to be that, you know, that's, that's, that's funny. Um, but boy, <laughs> it's a real nice flavor, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I, and it's so simple. I don't, you don't put any sauce or anything on them. You just roast them. And then when they come out, you, I put a little flake salt on it and Oh, it's good. Lovely. Now you're making me fun. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I didn't, I missed lunch today. Um, okay. So you mentioned, well, let's go to what are some of the different common cuts that people use and they're in a day-to-day -day basis and whether they're still called that. Um, well, you have a, a like a ribeye steak, a bone-in ribeye or a boneless ribeye um, that was is also referred to as a Spencer steak. Ah, I've the seen The boneless that. ones. Yeah. Um, some of those laws come down from the county too because they want to make sure that the consumer, if you come into my store, you're going to see that cut of meat labeled boneless ribeye. If you go to somebody else's store, it's going to be called boneless ribeye. So the consumer knows what it is consistently. And King County is a place pretty, they regulate the, the meat industry pretty good. You have to have a license to cut meat in King County. Not so Snohomish County, yeah. not in any other county, but King County you do. <laughs> well, don't get me started on King County. You know, <laughs> I preface every show I do with somebody from King County by saying I, in all full disclosure, I hate King County. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, but rib, ribeyes are, are probably the number one steak, a boneless ribeye, then tenderloins, uh, T-bones can be hit or missed. Um, people like porterhouse, they like thick steaks nowadays. Um, really? Again, I think that's a lot what the cooking shows that they're seeing, the Gordon Ramsay's, the, yeah. you know, take the thick and put it in the butter, you know. Yeah. Not a big fan of the people that come in and say, I want a sous vide steak. I'm what is that? It's some hot water thing where you get it all sealed up in plastic and you put it in the hot water for 20 hours and it stays at this temperature and then you bring it out and you throw it on a frying pan. And it's like in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, well, sous vide are for people that don't know how to cook. Yeah, <laughs> I would think, wouldn't that make the meat tough? It's just a different way of cooking. It's just, it keeps it at a certain temperature. So that all they have to do is brown it. People swear by it, but I'm like, well, hey, some, of really, like really our so some of us like our steaks so rare that all we do is brown it anyway. Right. Why cook it? That's what yeah. I always say. Yeah. We ruin the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Okay. So you've got, you mentioned the steaks, but what about some of those cheaper cuts that I usually go for? 
what are some of those? Chicken. Cheaper. Oh, chicken. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, that's not that cheap anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard to find a, key, a cheaper cut of meat. Um, uh, uh, you got um, the rounds are usually cheaper uh, cuts of meat. You know, the center of the of the beast is the, all the good New York's ribeye tenderloin. Then you got sirloin and rounds and the hind end, the sirloins. Um, is a good flavorful piece of meat. It can uh, be hit or miss on tenderness. They say it's the most flavorful piece of meat in the animal, but mm. I'm not a big top sirloin eater. Um, the rounds are cheaper meat. You can do London broils. They, you can cut stew meat, beef strips. You can do carne asada with pieces of meat like that. Um, a lot there's of always that. there's always soup. I always get a nice soup. cut of meat, but by by the third day, I'm done eating that meat, and then I cut it up a little and I mix it with a can of tomatoes and I, a few vegetables, whatever. Cleaning out the refrigerator, and I got myself some, you know, good soup. I can tell you haven't had lunch. <laughs> yeah, I know this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there thinking, when's our next break? I could I could make it to the refrigerator, I think. Um, <laughs> Because God knows I'm going to blow away in a wisp if I miss a meal. Um, <laughs> let's talk about other kinds of meat. Um, you mentioned chicken. And I know last time I was in your store, you had some whole chickens, but you also had, and you've done this with other cuts of regular meat too. You're mi mixing things in the sauces and the marinades and stuff right in the store now. Yes, that the... That's a new thing in the meat industry again, too, because you don't have the, the old days you had mom at home cooking dinner for the family, right? So yeah. she was in the kitchen preparing the milk and honey. So now you have moms that are busy working, dads that are busy working, different type of society. So they like things that are ready to go. I don't have to think about this. All I got to do is throw it in the oven, put it on the barbecue. It's already seasoned, throw some potatoes on, I'm, I'm dinner's ready. Yeah. So that's become really popular with people the having things ready to go. And you can see that in the, in the stores too, a lot of prepackaged vacuum sealed ribs yeah. with barbecue sauce on them. Yeah. Well, and even the vegetables, they're already peeled and cut and you can buy them. Yeah. Of course yeah. you're paying for it. You know, you're paying for it that way. Um, yeah. a lot more than if you cut your own veggies, you know, not a golden steer. You can get a plain chicken breast for the same price as a marinated chicken breast. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Next time then I'm going to, I'm going to do the, the chicken breast there. Um, but what about lamb? You know, I, I'm, I, I grew my own lamb and it was wonderful. I was never a lamb eater so much when I was a kid because I was in, you know, cow country, but I raised uh, lamb and I started raising organic uh, lambs. And so I had kind of a little um, clientele, you know, that would buy my lamb and then, and I, and I learned to cook with it and I made some pretty good dishes with it and I grew to like it. And then one year um, neighbor's dog um, kind of went on the rampage and I lost 40, sh 40 sheep. And um, that kind of took it out for me and I stopped raising the sheep. But I've noticed I, I never eat lamb anymore because the lamb that I would buy in the grocery store, it was so not good. So I just right. haven't gone back to it. So how do you how do you get lamb, something like lamb that, you know, is good and tasty and flavorful and not like the supermarket stuff? 
well, you know, I'm just going to tell you to come see me, but <laughs> I know you want more than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we want for the listeners. Yeah. So, so um, when I first started in the business, my my dad's choice of lamb was uh, what you see a lot of out there. Is, uh, I don't know if I can use a name of a product or not. Sure. Um, it was Superior Farms is what it was called. And it was Washington raised, slaughtered, da, 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 da. But I think over the years, they got kind of swallowed up by larger companies. The quality went downhill. You would get their product and it would be really strong and gamey. And I think people think that about lamb. Yeah. But the lamb, the lamb that I carry now is coming out of Colorado. And for me, if you ask me, 10 years ago, John, do you eat lamb? No. John, do you eat lamb now? Yes. It does not have any smell to it. It doesn't have any gaminess to it. And the meat itself is just, is just nice. And, and I think that makes more people want to eat lamb, even though lamb is not a really big seller for me, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. It's uh, people that want it will buy it. People that don't want it won't buy it. Well, I have a recipe. Here we go. I have a recipe where you make the lamb with dried apricots, and it is a wonderful dish. And I'm not an adventurous flavor person. I mean, I grew up in Ohio. We think ketchup is highly seasoned. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> when you're really living on the edge, when, and mayonnaise on your French fries—that's about as spicy as it gets, you know. Um, but and, and uh, that lamb veal, is outstanding. Veal is another one. It, it, in the in the '80s and stuff, it took a big bad rap about uh, you know, oh, they raised these animals, they cut their legs off, and they da 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 da, so they? we don't move around. No. Oh, okay. No, it's just one of those horrific videos yeah. that somebody watches a documentary and it has to do with one person. Yeah. But people just stayed away from veal, you know, scallopinis, ground veals, any kind of veal. But now they're kind of coming back to it. I sell a lot of veal products, uh, asubuco and, and ground veal. People are mixing in their own meatloafs and so, what is so that's veal? coming back. It, what is veal? I mean, it's just a, an immature animal. It's a, I, it's a six month or younger calf. Okay. You know, it's usually veal should be kind of a pink colored meat or, or really, really like if you were to go to France, it would probably be white mm -hmm. in color because it would just have so much of mom's milk in it, yeah. you know? And so it's, that's, that's the thing. It kind of like, Oh, it's the baby. And it's like, no, it's not a baby. It's a calf. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Humans <You know>. have babies. <laughs> I mean, I like I said, I I can I can empathize with people who don't want to I, I have a friend who has been dairy farmer her whole life and she yeah. won't eat meat, hasn't done it for years because she relates to those cows. And I can appreciate that. I can understand it. Yeah, my concern is that the the animals and the products that I sell that that there is a humaneness to the slaughter and the raising of the animals, you know, the people are concerned about that too. Some people like, well, I want it to be, you know, by itself in a field eating grass with flowers and have a name and stuff where I, I tend to be more concerned about, you know, the bigger picture is the farmer is raising a crop. Like if it was corn, he would water it. He would feed it because he wants his crop to be healthy and produce. And I think the same with a livestock farmer is the same way, whether it's, you know, you want chickens or you want eggs or you want beef cattle. 
you have to nurture that product and raise it to produce an income for you you know so the farmer to me is the farmer and how they're raising that animal tells me a lot about i mean the product in the end yeah and i pay attention to that and that's important to me it's important to me yeah well i think it's important from a humane standpoint it probably makes for a better product too um because if you're not taking care of your animals they're not they're not going to be a good product um but i you know for me I just sit there going, this is nature and we're part of nature. You know, the, you know, everything eats something else, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and as my, my son once said, if you eat rabbit, or you don't, you won't eat rabbit because it's, it's uh, meat, but think of all the poor carrots that that rabbit is eating, you know, <laughs> I mean, everybody eats something, right? Poor carrot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the poor <laughs> carrot, you know. Um, so Bob yeah, the it, tomato. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, there is another tomato. Oh no. <laughs> so I just feel like it's it's the world. It's it's the way so far we've been designed, and it's fine with me. Um, as long as the animals are are, I mean, they're being raised for food, being treated humanely and slaughtered humanely. Mm-hmm. then that's that's where I come from and that's what I want to serve the people that come into my store yeah. and and be comfortable with that I would not want to get something off a you know that an animal had been kicked and beaten before it was slaughtered or anything like that I, I would not I would not buy from somebody that was doing that well and if somebody did that their meat would not taste good I mean because of the those fear hormones and everything don't they taint the meat right yeah before? you can get an adrenaline rush sometimes yeah. I think from some animals but it's yeah. it's you know they make those they make those documentaries using the worst case scenario yeah. of anything and and I make sure that that's not happening in the line in my food chain oh. so yeah. so what's down the road for golden steer meats um to uh well for for me to keep both stores going uh, the bellevue store there's growth going on all around apartments popping up everywhere so uh, and i don't own that property so i don't know what will happen there but um i just want to continue to do what i do and keep my dad's legacy alive and i have some family that works for me a nephew that has shown interest of taking over after that. And uh, I have a couple of really fine young men that I would call family that work for me that have interest in continuing the business and keeping their trade. And, and, you know, I'm doing my best to help them be able to do their best. That's where I'm at for myself. So well, they women, can continue to go with the store and yeah. raise their families and reach their dreams too. What about women butchers? Um, I, there's not a lot of them. Um, I've been, I've employed a, a, a woman butcher, but she, you know, I don't know if I should say this, but she left a bad taste in my mouth. Because of the way she worked. So you're Just, assuming uh, she was just a and I, I, this this isn't because she was a woman it was because of more of the person she was she just happened to be a woman mm-hmm. just kind of lying deceitful backstabber person mm-hmm. and uh i tend to find that but most of my best employees um 
I like to say they come from the land of misfits. <laughs> Maybe there aren't enough, enough women misfits for you. <laughs> That's probably it. That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the ones that have turned out to be my best workers have come from uh, tough family backgrounds, drug addiction, and no sense of hope because they were using and abusing during school so nobody was there to take them to college what are they going to do oh well i'll just keep using and abusing or no here i can offer you a job where you can make a living and i say the same words my dad said about i'll teach you a trade and you can go anywhere in the world with this trade you know and so three of four three or Three of my employees have come up from that gutter working for me, and I'm just really proud of them. And that, that they've become my best employees and some of my best friends. Wonderful. You know, they're under 24 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a good thing. You know, I find as I get older, all of my older friends are, eh, eh. I want to start making younger friends. <laughs> I want to hang out with those people that are. Gonna, I don't, I don't want to be the last man standing and someday. <laughs> so it's a good thing to hang out with the younger ones, yeah. um, which brings up a generational question. I mean, do you, because when we started our conversation, we talked about how the emphasis for the last, what, 20 years has been that you have to go to college, you have to go to college, you know, um, and it's not always providing a lucrative career and it's not always for everybody. Do you find that um, the people that you've hired are seeing that maybe if they'd gone to college, they'd had they'd have better opportunities, or or do you see any any do they explain that to me? Um, the 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 ones that are working there. Um, well, one one young man, he did go to college. He he took he wanted to be a musical engineer, and so the whole time he was working for me was going to school too. So he was working full time, going to school. He got to the end of his his one year uh, music engineer degree, and he realized that man, this is not something I really can make a living at, even though it's something I want to be. I mean, I could make a living at it if I got lucky, you know, but if I really want to make a living, I should probably put my head down and my elbows out and, and tell John, I want to stay here and learn how to cut meat. Mm -hmm. So he, he made that choice just about a month and a half ago. He came to me, he says, Hey, I've been here for three years. I know this isn't going to take off for me. Um, I, I want to learn how to cut meat so that he becomes more valuable of an employee. He can make more money, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't think they any of them have had any regrets. Um, one thing I like to hear my employees say after they've been gone on vacation or something is, and I hear this a lot, and it just makes me feel so good is say, man, I miss this place. So I, I, this is their home and I try to be as positive as I can with them and tell them, you know, sure, you're young now. It's only going to get better in your future if you keep at it. Yeah. You know, if you keep at it and, and again, that freedom to go anywhere they want to go, they don't have to stay with John at the little independent meat market. They can go to work for a larger company if they want to, you know, start 
go to a grocery store where they're going to offer a pension and saving for that and stuff. Or you could say, I'll take this off on my own and work for the smaller company. You know, I do provide benefits for them. So that that's a plus. Yeah. 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 And it's harder and harder for small businesses to be able to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, you're, you're forced into it really. I mean, I don't mind because I don't mind taking care of people but you're forced into it because well i can work over here at this job and they're going to give me benefits or i could work over here and all you have is a small family business you know well i can tell you it's going to be more fun over here but so but you're forced into it if you want to have good people and keep them take care of them yeah i think that's interesting uh, but i'm i'm going to give you my comments after we come back because it's time for us to take another break and do a little business. But when we come back, I'm going to ask you for some social commentary. Yeah. So we're, yeah. So we're going to take a break for a couple minutes and we'll be back after this with more with talking meat on Valley talk. All right. Here on Valley 104.9 FM. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Valley Talk and Info. Join us for our weekly paranormal radio show, Northwest Phenomenon, each Sundays at 7 p.m. Have a story you'd like to share? Call our Northwest Phenom hotline 24-7-775-990-5151, or you can email me on my website, onairmario.com. All calls and emails are confidential. Listen on demand, subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, search Northwest Phenomenon. We'll see you Sunday at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9. Hi, I'm Chris Heim, inviting you to join me in the Global Village for the best in music from all around the globe. We highlight new releases, rare and classic recordings, birthdays, holidays, and a host of features, specials, and unique concert performances, all drawing on styles and influences from many different corners of the world. Great sounds from all around the globe in the Global Village, Thursday nights from 7 till 9, here on Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest Eclectic Music. Well, we're back with John Dick, and I'm Heather Stark, your host on Valley Talk. A little bit different, you know, John, a lot of times I'm interviewing politicians and representatives and, uh, you know, all the the, uh, political folk. And it's kind of fun to just have a conversation where, you know, the politics doesn't come into it, which is uh, kind of kind of nice for me. Um, so I'm enjoying this, plus the fact that I have skipped lunch. And so, you know, uh, the topic is right, right in the forefront for me. When you were talking about what's down the road for you, are you a great cook? I mean, being exposed to all these wonderful ingredients, do you consider yourself a terrific cook Is is you know, being a chef part of your hobby life or? I, I like to think so. Um, I think that probably came more just from my mother Okay. and my dad. They, they, I mean, they were both great cooks and I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mom growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to, I like to create new things. That's something that drives me and uh, uh, different sausages and stuff. But I, I like to consider myself a good cook. Yeah. So what's your yeah. favorite thing to cook? What's your favorite thing that you make? At this point in my life? Well, I would say like my favorite meal. Yeah. I would say a nice uh, seven ounce tenderloin steak grilled up rare with a twice baked potato and some grilled asparagus. Ooh, with pancetta? Uh, just asparagus. Just asparagus. And the, you yeah. know, the... the uh, 
the juices of the steak will get absorbed into the potato and then the, the vegetable. Okay. Thank you there. for that, John. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, I think I have no clue where you live, but I can be there in 15. I'm, I'm sure I can be can there. you stop by and get some steaks. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's, that's terrific. You also, and the reason that I know you is because a couple of years ago, you helped us with a Valley 104.9 fundraiser and it was a rousing success. It was, it was just wonderful. And you provided all the meats and it was, a, it was just a wonderful success. And we couldn't do it again last year because of COVID. Um, but do you, often uh, help with community events and things like that. I think you, you kind of do. So tell me about some of that. Um, well, I've, I've helped with you. I help with the, the, the local high school in Bellevue. We donate hamburger patties to the, uh, a lot of the sporting uh, groups, the football, the, the uh, uh, they have a band camp that we provide a lot of stuff for when they hit us up. Um, as a small business owner, you get hit a lot with donation type of things. Yeah. And in the early days, it used to be, you know, yes, 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 because you can't say no. But then I realized that I just really want to support the same things that like the, the families that have their kids going to that school that shop with me. I can give back to those families in, in that way, which creates kind of a circle within that little community i'm always one to to uh to give things away i i did a when we opened in woodenville we did a little thing for the local food bank and had people bring in food and then they got a coupon to buy stuff um i got kind of long on hamburger in, in woodenville i don't have as much space and so i put out on facebook i got hey i got 50 pounds of hamburger if anybody knows an ed family come see me um, those things are important to me. Your, your radio station is, uh, you know, that's a community thing. That's important to me. And I think that the, if you can, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to help out and take care of people and things and support your community. And one of the basic that's, ways that you can support people is with food. I mean, yeah, it doesn't get yeah. more appropriate than that. Yeah. So, um, Looking down the road, are you going to be one of those guys that you've trained all these wonderful people and you're going to retire someday and go to, to Arizona? Or are you always pretty much stuck in this, you're going to stick with us here in the, the Pacific Northwest? I'm, I'm going to stay here. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't live in the Northwest for it to be 110 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a deal breaker. Yeah. 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 I live here for days like today. <laughs> My daughter um, in Portland said that uh, their daycare, they, she sent a picture of her son playing at home and, and she said, no daycare today, 118 degree temperature fried their electrical system. Oh, at 118, yeah. oh, that's just no, not realistic. Never in my life have I seen that. But at least we didn't have life. a power outage. I mean. That's very true. That's very yeah. true. I was, there was a few deaths. Yeah, yeah. related, but yeah. It's crazy. No, I, I think in the immediate future for me, my goal is to to get both stores running with the same top notch quality and customer service that 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 I require that represents my father, and to slowly just kind of step out of being the guy that has to be there all the time, and 
being a guy that I can go where I want to go if I want to go to Woodenville. So right now I'm at a schedule. I have to be here at these days. I have to be here these days. But I my goal is to is to be able to wake up and say, hey, I'm going to go into Bellevue, help them out, monitor how things are going. And and going from one store to two stores was was not only a dream, but was like, whoa, you got to be you got to be more of a business than just a family business now. So it, it changed things a little bit for me, but I have no immediate plans of retiring um, and walking away for, for a while. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. People. I love people. I have fun. Yeah. Well, you're so, too young for retirement now anyway. Um, I'm the, right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I see a piano in the background. Do you play piano? It's that's a, a a bucket list of mine. Okay. So uh, when I moved out here, I wanted to put a little piano in. It's a little electric piano, and mm -hmm. I've sat down on it. And I mean, you need to spend a lot of time on a piano. Yeah. But yeah. I did. I did play a little plucking song and sing along with it. It's it's relaxing. Yeah. It's fun yeah. to just pluck away. Yeah. Very good. We've just about wrapped up our time. Mm -hmm. I have one final question for you before we wrap it up here. Oh, no. Oh, his eyes are getting big. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, I'm going to ask you to support our sports team. I'm um, busy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, what, if I were to just go into a, a um, I'm not a good cook and I don't have a lot of time, but I love to have fresh product. If I walked into your um, store, and said, what can I get to make for dinner tonight? What would you recommend? Uh, well, I would first ask you, what do you want to have? So that <laughs> depends on if you're cooking outside or inside. Okay, inside, um, inside. Inside. Um, I, would, I would highly recommend a, a beautiful stuffed pork chop. Ooh, baked we didn't even talk about pigs. <laughs> We are now. Yes. <laughs> Stuffed pork chop. Uh, you you know you already have your starch there with the stuffing, so you don't need to add a potato. You just need to add a little vegetable, maybe some corn, mm -hmm. and you know the famous line from the Brady Bunch: "Pork chops and applesauce." <laughs> That's my favorite. Only it has to be homemade applesauce. Yeah, John. and all, and then the stuffings that we have are all homemade and and yeah. awesome. But one more thing for you is if if you want a good piece of meat, one of the things is you need to establish a relationship with your butcher, cool. become their friend. Okay. Because then and trust the butcher. The butcher is always going to want to sell you the best piece of meat that okay. they have in the counter. Okay. And so if they can eat their hamburger raw, buy all your meat there all the time <laughs> so basically <laughs> you're going to be seeing a lot of me john <laughs> <laughs> well we've established a relationship in the past away from here yeah and you know when you come in you're going to get what you want or recommended or whatever it is except so for that artichoke spaghetti sauce well, you know, I got a new one for you. I got a yeah, but a new one. I'm willing to get the Fermanio sauce. So I we'll even ordered separate artichokes to throw in it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> John, it has been a delight having you here on the show. I hope you'll come back. And I'm pretty sure you'll stay connected with us here at Valley 104.9. You know, you just have to knock on my door. Okay. But notice he says that without telling me his address. Okay. 
<laughs> didn't volunteer to bring the steaks yet. <laughs> John, thank you so much for. Thank you, Heather. Much love to you, Annie. Thank you so much for your work. You're welcome. And thank you All for right. listening to Valley 104.9 FM. <laughs>